0: Welcome to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. We're sincerely glad you're listening today and thankful you're making the absorption of God's Word a priority in your life. In this message series, E3, we're taking a close look at our church's mission and our three primary values, encounter God, experience community, and extend compassion. We pray that as all of us collectively move forward in one direction, the kingdom of God becomes better actualized in our community.
1: Well, have a seat this morning, and man, it is wonderful to see you all again on this uh, very soggy morning. I'm glad that you made the journey to be with us, and uh, and it's wonderful uh, to see you, and it's wonderful to be seen by those of you who uh, are with us online. I realize there's some people who, whether it be illness or because of the weather and things like that, that, that you're visiting with us online, we're glad you're here, and uh, and I believe I believe that uh, even if you're joining us online, that you are with us in this holy ground this morning. And, you know, last week we began our vision series that we're calling E3, um, where we're looking at our our mission as a church and the strategies that we focus on to help get us there. And and last week we zeroed in on our mission, which was, uh, it's written in your notes there, that says, uh, and, and you could read it with me, it says, to help people find and follow Jesus. Right, let's try this again. The mission of Newberry Park First Christian Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. Yeah, we just wanna keep getting that into our heads. That's what, that's what we're all about. And this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna dive deep and focus on um, and the first strategy statement because we have these three easy strategies that help us get there, to help, us help people find and follow Jesus. And we do it this way. We, we do that by helping them encounter God, experience community, and extend compassion. And, and today we're gonna dive deep into the first of those, encountering God. And, and what it really means to encounter God. To, to begin with, I want to invite you to pray with me this very simple but very, very dangerous prayer. Um, and, and, and here's the prayer. I'll give it to you first, and we'll just say it together. The prayer is this, dear Lord, I want to encounter you today. And think about what that means, right? Think about what that means because I want to invite you to pray that every single day this week and see what God does. But but that could be a scary prayer for most of us. We should enter that with a sense of awe. So let's, let's just say that together. Dear Lord, I want to encounter you today. And that's my prayer for you. If nothing else happens this morning, uh, I don't even care if you hear what I say, if you encounter him, then then that's, then that's what we want this morning. When I say encounter, I realize that many of you in this room may be thinking um, that you long to have an encounter with God, maybe whatever that means because some of you are maybe new to this whole like trying to figure out faith and follow Jesus and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're just checking it all out and you're like, yeah, I, I like that sound of that, Like, I, I don't, don't know exactly what that means. Um, and, and some of you are like, man, I have been searching for an encounter with God for a long time, but, but I don't seem to be able to find him. God, maybe for you, God seems elusive or maybe, maybe it feels like God is hiding from you. But let me assure you of this. He's not hiding, and God, God's not hiding from you. This week, um, we've been loving having some of our grandkids uh, with us in our home. Uh, our daughter Shelby, and, um, who lives in Arizona, her husband's a youth pastor, and he was uh, at, at camp this weekend, so they came out, and so we had our, our little grandson Sawyer, who's just about to turn three, and little Charlotte, who is the cutest thing in the world, looks just like her mommy, and, um, and she's just, you know, a little over uh, six months, and we've just been having fun having them in the house this week, and I'm a little more tired than normal, um, but, um, but it's because we've been playing a lot, because the minute I walk in the door, I hear, Papa, play with me, right? How do you say no to that, right? And so, and, and, the, and one of the favorite games that um, Sawyer, our soon-to-be three-year-old, uh, set, has is what he loves is he says, um, Papa, you hide <laughs> right because we're we 're playing hide and seek right and um and so I do <laughs> so so I go and I hide it, it looks just like that right and and so as i 'm thinking about that um, I, I was thinking about you know i I could really I could really hide if I wanted to. Like, like I, I could, if, if somebody says, Papa, you hide, I, I could, like, I could go in the attic. Um, I could go, in, there are places, I could go in my garage and hide, well, there are places in my garage that things go and they never come back. But I could go and I could, if I wanted to, I could hide in a, in a way that he would never find me. Right? I, I, I could do that if I wanted to. But but that's not the game we're playing. The, the, the game that we're playing is, is that it's fun to seek and it's fun to find. And I, I hope that, that that if you don't get anything else this morning, that you realize this morning that while it's not a game, it is exciting and exhilarating to seek out and to search after and to find God and he is not hiding in a place where he's hard to find. He's not trying to stay hidden from you. He, he mostly is hiding in plain sight, uh, where, where all you have to do is seek. And so if nothing else this morning, the, the first thing that I would want you to know is that, that this morning maybe you're doing the first step in encountering God, and that's that you just seek. Because seeking is that first step in in finding the God who wants to encounter you. And when we were kids, we'd wake up on Saturday morning, we'd watch cartoons. Everybody remember that? Before all the personal devices, right? We had to have a shared TV. And me and my brothers, we would run out on Saturday mornings, right? And we wanted to watch, you know, there's Tom and Jerry, Mighty Mouse, Underdog. Any Underdog fans in the room, right? Right? Yeah, um, and, you know, my favorite was Speed Racer, yeah, uh, Speed Racer was awesome, um, but but the problem was is that our youngest brother, Jim, um, he was a little bit younger, and so he would get up earlier and he would get out and he'd get to the TV first, and then he's watching like, you know, Looney Tunes, like Porky Pig and all that kind of stuff, but we wanted to watch Speed Racer, but of course, if we just like pushed him out of the way or changed the channel on him, then he would cry and dad would you know, come and that that wasn't going to be a pretty scene. So while he was watching, we were thinking, and we we came up with this with this scheme. And so what we would do is we would say, you know, Jimmy's watching uh, his cartoons, and, and I would say, hey, let's let's play hide and go seek. And then I would just, uh, you guys hide, and I'll seek. And I would just start counting, one, two, and Jimmy would get up, stop watching cartoons, and he would run, and he would run to the hall closet. Every time. And there were a couple toys and things in there, and he'd run to the hall closet, and he'd be in there. And we would go sit down and change the channel and watch (laughs) cartoons. And every once in a while, one of us would walk down the hallway, and we'd say, where's Jim? He's such a good hider. Which kind of just kept him in the closet. Right? And, and, And I think... I, I mean, basically, we would just play hide and don't seek, and, and which, which is a little more like what I think many of us do with God. We, we oftentimes go through some motions that make it look like we're seeking for him, but, but we're really just doing it to keep him where we want him, right, so that we can control the situation but have a little bit of him there. We, 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 we kind of know where God is, and, and so we're like, okay, let's just, or we want something, and so we, we kind of do something so that God will kind of give us what we want. And for many of us, that's the way we treat this relationship with God. We go through these motions, but, but we're really, again, just doing it so we can get what we want out of it. Folks, let me be clear on this. God wants you to find him. God wants you to find him. He he, he is not going to force himself upon us, but he wants us to find him. He's not hiding. But like the verse that Beverly shared with us this morning, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So my prayer is that you will seek him. Now, to help us w- understand what encountering God is all about, we're going we're to look at the life of someone who encountered God. In fact, the person we're going to look at this morning is one of the only people that we know has seen God face to face. So o- open your Bibles if you have Bibles with you. If not, they'll be on the screen. But um, open your Bibles through the book of Acts, and, and we're, we're going to encounter God through the life of Moses. And some of you Bible people are like, wait a minute, Moses is not in Acts. And let me assure you that he is. And the story of uh, Moses gets retold in the book of Acts. So for some of you, you know, Bible scholars that didn't know that, so then you learned something new today. Okay. So Acts chapter 7, um, Stephen, before his life is taken for his devotion to God, tells the story Uh, Moses' life was quite a roller coaster, as we discover in Exodus chapter 2 and 3, but also in Acts 7, that um, his life was crazy. His people, the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, had been enslaved by the Egyptians, And and if you remember, God had made a promise to their forefather, Abraham, that we talked about just a few weeks ago. And he said he promised Abraham that he would become a great nation and that his descendants would number like the stars in the sky, right, or the sand on the seashore. And and so there was one thing that the children of Israel were really, really good at doing, and that's having descendants. Because that was God's promise to them. And, And so they had lots of people. In fact, they started to outnumber the Egyptians that were holding them captive. And so the pharaoh looked at that and he says, hey, wait a minute, these guys are gonna outnumber us, and as soon as they outnumber us, they're gonna overthrow us, and this isn't good. And so they put in this whole process where they said, hey, um, they, they went to these, um, these midwives and they said, hey, um, if, if it's a baby boy when, the, when these ladies have birth, like if it's a boy, you have to kill it. If, if, if it's a girl, it can live, but if it's a boy, then, then you gotta go throw it in the river or something. And, and the midwives feared God and said no. And, and so what happens is that God continues to bless the people and they continue to grow in number. And so their punishment gets worse and worse and worse. And, and Moses, when he's born, his parents look at him, and I love it, it says, it says in the text, it says, looking at him and seeing that he was a fine child, right? So he was a good-looking kid. And he said, well, we can't, we can't just pitch this kid in the river, what are we going to do? And so you may have heard the story, or watched Prince of Egypt, uh, you know, and, and they, they put him in the basket and they float him in the river, right? Which... Um, it's pretty dangerous because uh, the last time I checked, the Nile still has alligators and stuff in it. But they you know, put him in there and he floats down the river and then the daughter of Pharaoh finds the basket. Here's a baby crying, finds the basket, brings the baby in and um, his name Moses means I drew him up out of the water and they, she takes him home and she raises him, right? So he's raised as the daughter, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he's now, this is where the movie comes in, he's now a prince of Egypt, and, and so he grows up, and for 40 years, we're told, for 40 years he, he grows up in the palace, in Pharaoh's palace. And he's learning and he's growing. In Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 25, it says this. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. And for some of you who, who've read the story multiple times, you might be going, wait a minute, he wasn't powerful in speech. In fact, later on we're going to find out that's one of the reasons that he told God he couldn't go. But in the end, he does become powerful in speech and in action, right? And so, but then it says in verse 23, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. And he saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian, now, now, catch, this next verse is really important. Catch this. It says, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Uh, do, do you see, do you catch how Moses was getting ahead of God? Like, Moses had kind of the right idea, right? He wanted to save his people. He wanted to save the Egyptians, something that later on, if you know much about history, he does, but he's, But he's doing it in his own way, in his own timeline, depending on his own power, his own position, his own knowledge, right? And he says, okay, this is what he wants to do. Some of you have been trying to get this God thing to work for you. And first of all, the first thing that you gotta realize is this, he doesn't work for you. right? He he doesn't work for you. He might work on your behalf, he might work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which tells us that encountering God's call is a prerequisite for God working all things together for good, and so before you can just jump in and do what you think has to get done, or, or just before you think, oh God, if I just do this thing, then, then that's gonna make this relationship with God work, you, you've got to go to him first. You need to encounter him. He's in charge. Maybe you even think that you're doing what God wants and you're wondering why it's not working. I, I know a lot of people that come in all the time and they're like, man, I am, I am like reading my Bible every day. I'm checking off my list and I'm making, doing all this stuff. And why? And it's like, well, because you're still trying to do it your way. Have you stopped and asked him what his way is? Have you stopped to encounter the God and get, get very clear instructions from him about how you go about this and not assume that you just know the way? We need to, don't, don't think that you can accomplish anything for God until you have had an encounter with God. And I think that's key. So let's get back to the text. Uh, Acts chapter 7, starting verse 26. It says, the next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. And he tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why, Why do you want to hurt each other? But in verse 27, but the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now, at this point, Moses' life takes a super sharp turn due east. He runs for his life because Pharaoh hears about it, and Pharaoh wants him dead, you know, basically, you know, puts those wanted posters up and says, you know, this guy. So Moses, the prince of Egypt, is now a fugitive who's running for his life, all because he thought, oh, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to help free my people Right, which doesn't sound like a bad thing. But again, if, he's, if he hasn't had an encounter with God and if God hasn't done it and he's just doing it by his own power, then God isn't with him. So let's not make that same mistake. So, so he runs and he ends up east in the land of Midian, which basically, you know, you're thinking today, modern um, Saudi Arabia kind of area, lots of sand, Lots of desert, lots of nothing. And, and that's where he goes. And then he he runs into a guy, a priest um, of the land of Midian, a guy named Jethro, and then he marries the priest's daughter, and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. Education number two. The first 40 years he was in Egypt learning everything from the schools there, and you know, he was becoming mighty in in, in education and word and deed and all these things. And then for the next 40 years, he's a shepherd. Instead of ru- ruling the palace, he's roaming the desert. Instead of leading a nation, he's, he's herding sheep. And, and, and he had to have had hundreds of nights as he was out there with the sheep, looking up in the sky and wondering to himself, has God forgotten all about me? Or where is God in all of this? Now let's just take a real quick pause. How many of you have ever asked that question? Where is God in all of this? Anyone? Am I the only one? Yeah. We all ask that. But God never forgets us. He never does. But for 40 years, he watched sheep. For 40 years, he'd been hiking the same hills watching sheep. For 40 years... Uh, you know, 40 years was just long enough so that he stopped maybe looking over his shoulder, wondering if an Egyptian bounty hunter was, you know, with a help want- or a wanted poster in his hand was coming to get him. 40 years he was a fugitive, a foreigner, 40 years without seeing his family, his parents, his brother, his sister, 40 years of just watching sheep. But after 40 years, this one day would be different. He would wake up the same, he would go and he would do the same job, he would walk the same trails that he normally walks, but he would not return the same person. After 40 years of what seemed like punishment or just surviving, trying to figure things out, 40 years of what seemed like being lost, but today his life would forever be changed because on that day, he would encounter God. And his life, in fact, all of our lives, would never be the same. After 40 years of hearing little but bleeding sheep, right, Moses would hear, would actually hear the voice that spoke the universe into existence. He had probably walked by that bush multiple times before and never even noticed it. But today, today the bush was going to be on fire. But the fire was different it, it didn't consume the bush. And, and this fire had a voice. And the fire caught his attention and, and it, this, it would set his soul just completely ablaze with purpose. He walked up the mountain, Moses the murderer, Moses the shepherd, but he returns Moses the miracle worker, Moses the deliverer, Moses a man with a mission. All because he had an encounter with God. And folks, that's, that's my greatest desire for every single one of us today, not, not that we would hear, just hear something about God, not that you would even just believe a little more, but my prayer is that you would encounter God, and, and it's more than likely not going to be the same way Moses encountered God. It's going to be much different. But I love what Pastor Tony Evans says: "Any bush will work if God's in it." And it might not be a bush. It it might be something else in your life that you've just walked past day in and day out. But God might just show up if you're searching, if you're seeking. So lots of people believe that that there is a God out there. Right? Uh, uh, Very few of those people, though, encounter him. Even people who come to church every Sunday, there's a lot of people that believe in God, they say, oh, I've got faith and this stuff. But very few people really have said, like, man, I encounter God on a regular basis. For those, who, those of you uh, who maybe you feel like you're in a desert place, that God has maybe deserted you, Moses' story reminds us that sometimes the desert is the place God shows up. G- God needs you to get there in order to get your attention so he can do what he wants to do in your life. So the word encounter in, in our strategy statements, the word encounter w- was chosen quite strategically. Uh, the reason is because we could have just said, hey, we want people to believe in God, right? W- which is a good thing. And we do want you to believe in God I, because he's believable and he's trustworthy and he's righteous and he's wonderful. I run into people, though, all the time that say they believe in God. You know, when, when people find out I'm a pastor, they, they, one, or, one of two things happen. Either they want to avoid me and run away or they want to tell me what they know about God, right, or tell me, oh, yeah, I, I believe in God, and, and most of them, you know, a lot of them today will say, oh, oh yeah, I believe in God. I, I just don't do the church thing, and, and I usually, you know, want to comment. I don't always say it back, but is like if you really encountered God, you'd want to do the church thing because it's his thing. Doesn't mean we're, we do it perfect all the time, but, but that's the reality. It's his it's not ours. A lot of people will say something like, well, you know, I used to go to Sunday school when I was a kid. And I love that because it's, just, it's like the equivalent of, you know, that book that said, all, everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Some people tell me, well, you know, I believe in the Ten Commandments. And I say, oh, which ones? And they usually, well, I haven't killed anybody, I haven't stolen anything, I don't think. And, and then it's like, that's where it kind of slows down. And to be honest, sometimes people tell me bizarre things they believe about God, and I'm sorry I even asked. But if believing God was the only prerequisite to a relationship with him or to getting into heaven, then, then even the devil would be there because the Bible says he believes and he shudders. He just has not surrendered to Jesus and made him Lord. So, folks, we, we want you to believe, but we also want you, we don't want it to just be a mental exercise, we want you to encounter God. The word encounter, it means engage, experience, to see face-to-face. When you come face-to-face with Almighty God, it will change you. It will change your world. So so let's get back to the story. This time we're going to go back to Exodus, okay? Exodus chapter 3. And it says this, in Exodus chapter three, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames um, of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was, not on, was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. Now, I just want just to suggest this to you. If you really want to encounter God, position yourself to encounter him. I mean, Moses doesn't just kind of recognize, oh, there might be some God thing going on over there. He says, I'm going to go over and see He he stops what he's doing he says, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to reposition myself so that I can check this out. And and, and so what, what I would suggest to you is that you find ways to reposition yourself, to maybe do something different than you're doing on your everyday journey. Because like I said, man, he walked by that bush so many times and I'm sure he'd seen bushes on fire before. He used to just probably throw dirt on them. But now he's like saying, hey, I'm noticing this. I I think that God is doing something, so what does he do? He doesn't run away. He he positions himself so that he can hear God. Now, there's lots of ways that you can do that. Time in God's word, I I, I believe, is essential. I, I I believe that time in God's word is how we recognize the voice of God. If you don't spend any time in his word, and hearing him through his word, you won't, I don't believe, recognize his voice when he speaks. I think prayer, prayer is so vital to the life of the believer. And, and if you want to encounter God, I, I believe that prayer has to be part of your regular life and routine. We, we try to help people reposition Um, That's why we do things, you know, people always wonder like, oh, are these just programs or whatever? But like our next steps thing, it's simply an opportunity for us to help you reposition yourself and say, oh, here's a next step that I can take in order for me to deepen my relationship with God, for me to grow, for me to get connected. And so that's what those things are all about. It's not just because, oh, we have a plan and you have to, it's, it's like our intention is, hey, we want to help people take the next step in their relationship. We want them to encounter God. Um, rooted, that you've heard about and you keep hearing about, um, I really believe that is a way to position yourself maybe differently. I know that there's some people in this room right now that are like, well, I've been a believer for a long time. I don't think I need rooted. If that thought crossed your mind, you need it more than you think you do. Okay? Because it's, it's a new, it's kind of a new way for some of you. It's it's a way to, for some of you, to re-wake up to some things. For others of you, it's it's to look at them for the first time in a different way and to not just like think about praying or think about reading your Bible, but to actually work at it, do it, experience it. You you don't just talk about prayer and read, you actually have a prayer experience. You, you, you don't just talk about the fact that serving is a nice idea. You actually go and you do it. You experience it. You, you, you don't just talk about the fact that there's a spiritual battle going on. You actually wage war <laughs> in the middle of it so that you are helping one another get free from the strongholds that the devil has in our lives. There's all kinds of things that we do. And so these things, they're just, they're opportunities to reposition yourself, I mean, life groups for us, it's it's not just to fill a place on the calendar or to fill time or anything like that, it's it's to give you a place where we get together and, and we can look at God's word together, we can look at life, we can help one another in this journey, and we can say, hey, how are we together going to help one another encounter God in real and fresh ways so that we can keep walking with him? That's what it's all about. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to really encounter God, I mean, there's ways that we're just saying, hey, here's some ways that we have found that kind of work. I'm not saying they're the only ways, but they're really good ways to position yourself to, to recognize God's presence, to hear from him, and to grow in your relationship with him, to encounter him. In Exodus 3 and verse 4, the text goes on and says, when the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look. So God's watching. It's like, okay, is Moses going to respond, right? I mean, again, God doesn't make it hard, right? Remember that whole feet under the curtain thing, right? God lights a bush on fire and the thing doesn't burn. You kind of got to go, what's up? Gee, I wonder if somebody's over there. Right, and so I'm telling you, God's not trying to make this hard. He's just like, and so Moses, God sees Moses walks over. He's like, okay, I'm going to reposition myself. And when you do, what does God do? He calls out to Moses. From within the bush, God's voice says, Moses, Moses. I don't know why, God always seems to use our name twice. Right? I think it's because the first time you're just in shock. Second time you go, oh, he's calling me. But, but listen, and then listen to Moses' response. Pretty simple. He just says, here I am. Here I am. So once you reposition yourself, then my encouragement to you is respond to God's invitation. Just respond. L- listen for God and, and just say, hey, here, God, I'm here. Let God know that you recognize that he's there and that you want to encounter him so respond to the invitation we give invitations almost every week here and 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 people get nervous Like, oh man, I know sometimes we say, hey, you know, if you want to, you know, know more about, you know, following Jesus, accepting the Lord, or if you just want prayer and you can't come up and everybody, I know it goes through all of your minds because it goes through my mind too, especially if I'm sitting where you are. I'm like, oh man, if I walk up there, everybody's going to say, wow, what sin did Ken have this week that he's got to go up there and get prayed for, right? I'll tell you which sin, same one the lot of you had. I'll just let your minds go there. But respond, we have to be better at responding. When God calls our name, when God says, hey, then our response should be, yes, God, I'm here. I'm I'm in, I wanna hear from you, and I wanna do what you want me to do. And then God replies, he says, do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I spent some time just meditating on that this week. Like, why'd God tell him, like, take off your sandals? And and, and I think it was just, I think it was God's way of saying, like, hey, this is going to take a minute. Right? Don't don't, don't rush off. Take off your shoes. Get comfortable here. We've got some conversation to have. And and I think, you know, kind of like Devin's cell phone. We don't often take the time, right? Because we're so busy with all the other gadgets and things of life. We don't take time. Oftentimes we rush right through reading God's Word so we can just get it done because we're supposed to get it done, right? Instead of actually encountering God in it, we just get it done. And if we keep doing that over and over again, that becomes our pattern. I guarantee you this will happen. You'll find yourself in a desert where God's going to have to show up in a different way to get your attention. So sit, listen, be in God's presence. And then it says in verse 6, then he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. First thing on that is this, God wants you to know him before you do something for him. He wants you to have a personal encounter with him before he sends you off to do something for him. Some of us think it happens the other way around. But he wants you to know him. So he says, hey, here's who I am. I'm the God of your father Abraham. Remember the guy with the promises? Yep, that's me. And I'm still keeping those promises. I kept them with Isaac. I kept them with Jacob. And now you're part of this whole thing. And then Moses was afraid. He hid his face. Why? Why? You know, there's been a lot of trend over the last several years about, you know, Jesus is my homeboy, Jesus is my buddy, and all this stuff. Um, let, let me just say this. Um, while, while I understand the idea that, yeah, he wants a personal relationship with you, um, he is the awesome, almighty, all-powerful. And, and he's not something to be trifled with. He, he's not something for us to just handle gingerly or just go, oh, I can, you know, or make it on my terms. We, we, need to, we need to be in awe of the God who calls out to us. And there are times when I know that God is speaking to me that it scares the bejeebies out of me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, God, what are, what are you asking? What are you calling me to do? What? Lord, Really? If it's really God, there will be times when you just go, whoa. His presence is awesome. In verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. And Moses is probably going, yeah, yeah, I was too. And remember, I tried to do something about it, and it didn't work out. And God's going, just listen so I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, all the other ites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Did you catch that? Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now Go. See that little word now? The little words sometimes carry a lot of meaning. Because back there, when Moses tried to just kill the Egyptian and do it his way, that wasn't now, that was Moses' timing. But after 40 years later, after Moses had wandered in the desert, after Moses had gotten stripped of his power, stripped of his position, after all that other stuff had happened to him, after he was kind of probably in a more desperate place, God says, okay, now's the time. Because now you're not going to do it on your terms and with your power. You're going to do it with my power and the way I want you to. So now it's time. And you won't know that if you're not regularly encountering God. I think that's why a lot of us, we think we're doing the right thing a lot of times and then we hit a wall and we're like, why isn't this working? Because we're still doing it on our agenda, our time, our effort. God says, so go now, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Mo- Moses then, all of a sudden, if you know the story much, go home and read the rest of, uh, of the next couple chapters, chapter three and four. He comes up with all these excuses, right? He comes up with, he's like, well, whoa, whoa, God, like, don't you know I'm a wanted man over there? Like, when I left, they were trying to kill me. And, and then there's this whole, you like, hey, God, I, I don't think I'm the right guy. He actually says, like, I, I have a speech problem, Which by the time we get to Acts, we know God fixed, because it said he was powerful in word and deed, right? So God took care of that, but he says, hey, I've got, this is the problem, and then finally he just looks at God and he goes, no, 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 God sends somebody else. Here's what I want you to know this morning is this. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to wrestle with God. Wrestling's part of the encounter. Just like hide and seek, favorite thing. I mean, even my grandson now, His dad actually had to tell him when he was coming out to California, it's okay to wrestle with your cousins and with your uncles and with Papa, but don't wrestle other people. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to throw it out and say, God, I'm confused. God, I'm not sure. God, but keep seeking the answers. It's okay to wrestle. And God says this in verse 12. He says, God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Why did God have to reveal himself there? Well, this was going to be the place where God not only reveals himself to Moses, but reveals himself to a whole nation. This is the same mountain where Moses gets the Ten Commandments. This is the same place where, God, where, where the people stand in absolute fear of the Almighty God and they bow and they worship him before this place. So just to wrap this up real quickly, when you encounter God, and I'm just going to suggest these three things happen. Number one, he redeems your past. You go back and you think, when, when, when Moses goes like, who am I to go back to Pharaoh? Well, you're the perfect guy. Remember all those Egyptian classes you took? Nobody else out here in the desert seems to speak Egyptian, right? You're, you're, you're the right guy. Nobody knows the ins and outs of the palace and all those other things. Nobody else is going to get regular, like you are the guy. God took all those things of the past that Moses thought were nothing and God says, oh yeah, that, we're gonna use that. Never underestimate all the experiences that God has given you because he may call upon those things when it's time for him to do what he wants to do in your life. So he redeems your past. Then number two, he gives you a purpose. He gives you a purpose. I mean, he, he, he wanted to deliver the people of Israel earlier but God said, hold on. You got to do it my way, not your way. Could you imagine what would have happened if Moses would have ch- like kept trying to do it his way? He'd have ended up dead. But the purpose was the same, to deliver people from slavery. And I guarantee you, man, if you encounter God in a powerful way, part of what he will help you do Is he will help you bring other people out of the slavery of sin and into relationship with him. Because that's part of his essential plan that we talked about last week, the mission that we're on to bring people to find and follow Jesus. And then lastly, he will redeem your past, he'll give you a purpose, and then lastly, he will give you a promise for the future. He'll promise you a future. I love that he says, hey, when when all this happens you're going to know it was me because you're going to come back to this place and years down the road you're going to come back to this place and you're going to worship me here. What's amazing is the future with God always involves worship. You know what we're going to be doing in heaven forever, right? Yeah. Worship. Worshiping the Almighty One. See folks, nobody said that the Encountering God was going to be simple. Nobody said it wasn't going to be a little bit scary at times. Nobody said it wasn't going to be a little awkward. But let me tell you something. There's nothing like it. And once you've encountered God, there's no turning back. So my invitation for you today is this, is would you position yourself to hear God speak to you more deeply? I want to encourage you if you haven't done it, like go out and sign up for Next Steps, Rooted, all those things, and and just position yourself to hear God calling and and, and to give you a path uh, and, and to give you a purpose. Some of you are here today, and you're like, "You don't know my past. I don't know how God could redeem that." And the answer is, you're right. I don't know how. Only He does. But He's the God who can. And he's the God who will if you will let him. And so this morning, maybe positioning yourself means to respond and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior. I'm tired, Lord, of trying to do this all on my own. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm tired of trying to make it my plan, Lord. I I need your plan. If that's you this morning, and I want to encourage you while we're singing in just a minute to just come forward, I'm going to ask our elders and uh, if, if their spouses are with them, to come forward and just sit up front. Maybe even just sit on the on the stage right up here. And, and if you want to talk to somebody about what that means, to say yes to Jesus and to respond to him, then just come and talk with them. They'll, they'll help you. If you need prayer this morning because something in your life needs to be redeemed, then, then you know what? Then, then find somebody in one of these blue shirts and, and they'll come and they'll pray uh, with you. And there'll be some of those people in the back. But this morning... We're here together to encounter God who has said that he wants to encounter us. And really, probably the, the, the biggest way, kind of what, what I would look at and say, man, this is kind of like our burning bush, is that Jesus died on a cross for us. And as we, as we look at that cross that screams out, hey, he, he loves you, he knows you, and he wants relationship with you, that's, that's what that cross is all about. And each week we, we take the Lord's Supper, we have communion where we recall that, that Jesus told us to do this so we would remember what he's done for us. And, and so I just want to encourage you to make this moment right now, make this a holy moment, make this a holy place where you encounter God, where you realize what he has done. Turn aside from all the other thoughts going on, all the things bouncing around your head, and for a few moments, turn aside and say, wow, look at what God has done for me. And and hear him say to you, as you think about these emblems, just just hear him say, I love you, and and I want to redeem your past. I want to give you purpose, and I have a promise for you. And then, what I would encourage you to do, because again, it's not always easy, is this morning, I know it's really easy to say it in your head, but at one point, as you take communion this morning, I just want to encourage you. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And allow him and his presence to just sit with you this morning. And then each and every day this week, I just encourage you, find a place to be in his presence and pray, God, here I am. I want to encounter you. Because if you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. He gave all he had for us. The bread that represents his broken body, let's, uh, let's take that together together this morning. And the cup that represents his shed blood. Take this time. Sit in his presence. And when you feel God just moving in your life, just say it out loud. Here I am, Lord. Here I am prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that, Lord God, you are with us. Thank you, Father, that you want us to find you, that, God, you want us to encounter you. Lord, we're thankful today for your grace and your mercy. Father, we want to know you. Father, we want to say, here I am. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice that you made in Jesus so that we could have a personal relationship with you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: some of the most powerful three words that we could say, right? Here I am. And uh, I wrote a note in my Bible last year as we were working through it early in Exodus when Moses says, who, who am I uh, to do what you're calling me to do? And many of us would think that we're in that position, but I, re- I wrote a note, so read Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 34, verse 10. It says this about Moses all those years later because he said those three words. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel, because he was available to the Lord. And so as you make yourself available and say, here I am, we're just gonna ask the fresh wind of the holy spirit who promises to do that again and again in our lives we're going to welcome them in so if you want to stand stand if you want to sit sit but just respond to the presence and the goodness of god thanks for listening to the npfcc messages podcast if you'd like to support the work of our church head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.